We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Mile high hello, everybody in Broncos country. Welcome into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I'm your host, Lance Sanderson, and joining me as per usual is the Sith Lord of Mile High Huddle himself. He's Mile High Huddle senior NFL draft analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. Eric, dude, it... it we talk about it every time at the opening of the show. This team is just so frustrating. And after this last week's loss to the Carolina Panthers, a, a game that they should have went in there and won, it was a very winnable game. And we watched Russell Wilson get outplayed by Sam Darnold. Dude, the frustrations can't get any worse. And now we have a Baltimore Ravens team that is ready to come in, in here and punch somebody in the face, dude. How you doing? I'm doing good. And, you know, the toll that this Broncos season has taken on me, I just realized how bad it is. This whole streak of hair wasn't this gray when the season started. <laughs> but, I mean, like, <laughs> it's getting to the point, and I think I said this in my grades article after this last week, is what else is there to say about this team? Now we're talking about birthday parties <laughs> and lost locker room, and, I mean, like, what's next are we gonna be okay you know i'll stop it there because where i was going was going to be a little bit too far but it's just what's next with this team i mean people don't like russ in the locker room but half more than half the team showed up who cares i mean it's no different from last year i mean part of the reason that was touted that denver traded von miller was over a halloween party so now we're we're, now we're dealing with the birthday It's, it's it's annoying at this point and the fact that this team is this bad as they are just makes it that these talking points are, you know, just that talking points. The, the bad thing is, is there's enough to criticize on the field for this team that like we could get into all the bad stuff that's going on there, but it, it's just the same talking points over and over. Like you said, they're all just talking points. The offensive line's not playing really well. Russell Wilson's struggling. The receivers aren't getting open right now. The defense, while playing good at, at times, is giving up big plays. They're allowing key critical drives, like scoring drives, at the end of halves, and they're not making the, the, the key plays. They're not getting turnovers. Injuries are mount. Like, it's over and over and over again. So now you're starting to find these TMZ-like storylines. Really, like, the, this whole Russell Wilson birthday party thing is a TMZ-style storyline that I don't even want to, like – acknowledge it's just dumb to me 
And the funny thing is, is every team has issues in the locker room. Even if you're winning, there are teams that have issues in the locker room if you're winning. But guess what? If you're winning, you put it aside. If you're losing, if you're three and eight, it's not going to get put aside. It's going to be it's going to be talked about, and that's what we're having happening here. And you're right. I mean, this TMZ ish style, that stuff that's going on in the with the Broncos right now, it's annoying, but it's where we are because the team is bad. Everything with this team is bad. It isn't just Wilson, and I know we've harped on Wilson a lot. The coaching staff is unprepared. The players are not good. The roster isn't good. I mean, even issues starting up top with George Payton are showing their head because of how little he work he put into multiple positions. It's just... <laughs> it's a mess, and every week we have to try to figure something out. I saw somebody sit here talking about the, the topic of it, about critical matchups to watch, and Despite Denver being a bad team, despite you know everybody expecting Denver to lose in this game, there are still matchups that Denver can win that could potentially help them win the win this. I did uh, find out that out of the Mile High Huddle um, pick them, I was the only team to pick Denver, um, simply because I'm picking Denver every game this season. Like surprise, surprise. I think I mentioned this on here before. On here before, but it's just basically is I'm going to end up with the same record as the Broncos, good or bad, and like. Do I think that Denver will actually beat the Ravens? No, but I do think that there are certain matchups, and we'll talk about those, that Denver can exploit to potentially walk away with the win. Yeah, there's there's a lot to a lot to like really like about this Baltimore Ravens team in terms of the the play style that they have. There's some very very fun matchups that you can kind of diagnose. Uh, I went back and watched the the Carolina Panthers game, the Jacksonville Jaguars game earlier this afternoon to kind of give a really good like, like pulse of what this Ravens team really is right now. Um, they, this last game, they, they were missing Ronnie Stanley up along the offensive line, but they still managed to have a, a very solid day in pass protection. Um, the, the receivers are some fun cornerback receiver matchups that we can get into, uh, defensively for the Broncos offensively for the Broncos, obviously the, the interior of the offensive line going against that defensive front seven is going to be a critical matchup to kind of to exploit, uh, watching those linebackers. And then that secondary that has just so much talent, but they have not lived up to the hype. It's going to be a really fun conversation guys but before we get into any of that first things first got to say hello to everybody out there in broncos country joining us here on a wonderful friday night for dove valley deep divers we've got mark lindemood in the house uh noble in the house as well peter middleton doing a thing over there in cambodia we've got um a new name here dylan buck elk we're gonna grab this comment right off the top here dylan buck elk first things first welcome to the show we appreciate you for joining us a new name for me anyways uh, I watched Patrick Mahomes' interview on the Kelsey Brothers podcast and hearing Pat and Travis talk about the culture at Kansas City, how they prepare, and how they handle success made me even more depressed as a Broncos fan. We suck. <laughs> Excuse me. I, right? Yeah. It, it's a comedy of errors right now with this Broncos team. They, they just they look to be, you know, com- completely disheveled. The, the preparation, the discipline um what they're trying to do offensively is simply just not working they're relying on the defense way too much it's just not working and dylan thank you for joining us on the show uh we've also got william catalano here uh chase wellner in the house cristiano down there in brazil uh colin wood what's up man how we doing jay kozad gary palmer in the house as well uh everybody welcome into dove Valley deep divers podcast we definitely appreciate you all for joining us now eric i kind of alluded to a couple of these uh these critical matchups when i went back and watched the uh 
the Baltimore Ravens in these last couple of games that they played, the very first thing that I noticed, we're going to start on the offensive side of the ball for the Baltimore Ravens. The very first thing I noticed is in their running game, well, really not necessarily just in the running game, overall, their blocking scheme up front, they like to move a lot of offensive linemen around, specifically guards and the center, Tyler Linderbaum, in terms of pulling and getting them to the outside in their zone read running game. It's very fun to watch, and there's a big matchup to exploit that they're going to take advantage of in Nick Benito out on the edge. What do you have that the Broncos can do to potentially uh, mitigate the damage with Nick Benito not being able to hold up the edge in the running game? Well, I mean, well, I mean don't put him out there. <laughs> like as as much as that suck, and I know it's not going to happen, is you have a guy who's such a clear handicap against the run, don't use him. Like, use him in obvious passing situations. Jonathan Cooper, I mean, he got completely owned against the Carolina Panthers um, and I believe against the Raiders as well, but he's been he's had a pretty strong season against the run in his limited action. Like, Baron Browning, like, use these other guys that can be decent run defenders. And one of the things that I mentioned earlier mentioned was about how George Payton's, some of the decisions he made kind of have hurt this team. And I'm not going to talk about... Um, Bradley Chubb trading him away. I'm going to talk about the fact that they loaded up at the edge room with run with poor run defenders. I mean, Nick Benito, that was the biggest concern coming out of his Baron Browning had concerns if he could hold up at the edge after switching over. Randy Gregory has issues against the run. Jonathan Cooper had major concerns there against uh, as a rookie. Then you go in and you, after you trade Bradley Chubb, who was by far your best edge defender against the run, you bring in Jacob Martin who was consistently pulled off the field in obvious run situations because he's so bad against the run. Like you are setting your edges up to fail and against teams like the Ravens against a team like um, the the Panthers. If you're not holding up on the edge, you're, you're not going to do you're, I mean, you're going to struggle against the run consistently. It is such an integral part of it because being able to, you know, cut off the edge and hold the edge and drive the running back back inside to where the teeth of this Broncos run defense is, is so vital, but you can't do that. So when it comes to how do you keep the Ravens from doing this, I don't have a freaking clue because they don't have the personnel to do it. <laughs> the, the, the one answer that I do have is you've got to try to figure out a way to get Draymond Jones free. And that's the problem here is because what they're doing offensively for the Ravens is they're pinning down with the tackle. They're essentially running a lot of pin pull stuff. So they pin down with the, the edge defender um, or the, the the five technique interior defensive lineman like a like a Draymond Jones with where he would typically be lined up. They pin him down with the tackle and then they pull a guard off the ass of the tackle and kick out the edge and they create these wide open running lanes. And whether it's Lamar Jackson, whether it's Gus Edwards, whether it's Kenyon Drake, um, uh, Justice Hill, they're doing a great job of exploiting those gaps. They're blowing open with these offensive linemen. And it, it's it's quite honestly very fun to watch. It reminds me of Pat Shermer a couple of years ago with the Broncos when they decided to do that with Garrett Bowles coming across the offensive line when they had DeMar Dotson playing on the right tackle. All right, Gary Palmer jumping in here real fast with a $10 super chat. Thank you, Gary, for joining us, and thank you for your support as always, man. Good to see you in the chat again. Uh, good evening, Lance, Eric, and Scott. Go Broncos, and absolutely, Gary, go Broncos. To kind of keep piggybacking off of that particular conversation, um, with, with what they're doing, like I said, the, the, with Lamar Jackson, the ability of his uh, – to use his legs and to create more extension of that running game. He's the leading rusher in terms of carries and yards for this Baltimore team right now, just because they've had so many injuries, they're kind of shuffling through backs in the backfield right now. But 
the, the biggest thing that you have to understand is when they pull those offensive linemen, you have to have your linebackers scrape and flow. And with what we're seeing with Josie Jewell and Alex Singleton right now, sometimes they'll guess the wrong gap, but they are doing a really good job of maintaining that gap control at the second level. Is that another way? So you try to free up Draymond Jones and then get those linebackers to kind of scrape through the trash a little bit to go make those plays at the line of scrimmage. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So the issue with that is this run defense is really built on the team aspect of run defense. So you got to have everybody playing discipline to their gaps. Um, I mean, going back to the New York Jets, because that's the play that's on top of my head, the big touchdown run that they had. You had four players over pursue out wide with Draymond Jones. You had Alex Singleton. You had Kareem Jackson. And you had somebody else who over pursued outside. Neither, None of them stay disciplined on the inside and allowed that cutback lane that the running back was able to hit and go. And on top of that, you had Uazarike who wasn't able to flow with the play as well and got shut out to again, helping open that hole. So when you're trying to, again, going back to these outside runs about it, yeah, the linebackers have to flow with the play, but they still have to stay disciplined because the, all the play, ball carriers in, in Baltimore, they do such a good job with those cutbacks that you can't, you have to stay disciplined on the back end. So you can't have them crashing up too close consistently, especially when they have been, had their issues in, you know, hitting the right hole or get or guessing incorrectly out which hole they're hitting, because then you just open up another lane for them to hit through. Um, the biggest way that you're going to help prevent this and help keep those guys, those two linebackers, Joe Jewel and Alex Singleton, help keep them clean a little bit is going bigger up front and honestly that's probably the answer for the broncos for the rest of the season go bigger up front mike purcell dj jones and using draymond jones as a stand-up edge you don't want deshaun williams out there consistently because while he had some nice flashes against the carolina panthers against the run he had some against san francisco and that was the last time he was good against the run with san francisco yeah. before the panthers game yeah. like he's just been consistently struggling against the run so you can't trust him out there on the field against it was he had some nice flash plays but it is very obvious that he's a rookie that still has a lot to go on matt henningson 
like again, still a rookie, plenty of effort, but there's times where he's just out of position because he's just still growing as a player as into an NFL player. So you got to go bigger. You got to trust that your your veteran big guys to help open up the room, open up the lanes for your linebackers to go make plays. And then you have to trust your safeties who are doing a terrible job crashing down to be that last line of defense. I mean, a lot of the issues with the run with this run defense has been Justin Simmons, Caden Cerns, and Kareem Jackson. They're yeah. late on the rotation down. They're late. They're late with the reads. They're hitting the wrong holes. They're over pursuing. Whatever it is, it's just hurting everybody. And while it's a really trying to be a team defense one position one or two positions if they don't do their job it's not gonna it's not gonna be successful yeah uh phil mclaughlin jumping in here uh good evening lance eric and, and deacon scott i uh, lost for words so merry christmas happy holidays to uh, mile high huddle and broncos country hashtag go broncos hashtag mhh for life thank you phil man we gotta have something at least positive to talk about it is christmas season right around the corner uh my birthday actually is in 10 days as well. So that's coming up here soon. Excited for that. My wife's birthday is on the 23rd as well. So got at least some kind of positivity coming around here, at least in the Sanderson household. It may not be Broncos football. Maybe we can steal a win from the, the Cardinals or the Rams down the stretch and make it feel a little bit better for this team with the expectations that we had of this season. But uh, as of right now, looking pretty dark and dreary like it is here in Wyoming right now. To Kind of continue to piggyback off this conversation. The Broncos are projected to get K1 Williams back. They're very solid slot cornerback, a very physical player, a guy that does a really good job fitting himself in there in the running game. Is that maybe another answer there for the Broncos here is having a, a guy like a K1 Williams who does bring that physical presence at the point of attack? I mean, it obviously helps. Anytime you get an improvement over a song bossy, it's going to be, it's a help to the defense, especially against the run. Um, I know I've lit Bossy up time and time again for his work on crossers, which he struggled with this season when out there on the field. He's a terrible run defender as well. And Quan Williams, he's scrappy enough. He's physical enough. I mean, he's not afraid to mix it up. Getting him back at the nickel corner spot is obviously a boost to your run defense. But yep. again, it's just that whole thing of it's got to be on everyone. Mm -hmm. I mean, I talked about the corners. I talked the the, the or I talked about the safeties, the linebackers, the defensive line, like the corners. I mean, Damari Mathis, he's been hit or miss against the run, and Patrick Tan has been far more missed than hit against the run. I mean, I, that first that first one big play he made against Carolina was was so great to see. He was physical coming down downhill, and then you see him get toasted by DJ Moore. You see him just get completely stiff armed to the ground. Um, on a run play, like I, I, I've hit on Patrick Sertan for this often. It's like he's plenty physical in, in coverage, and he's probably, he's without a doubt, one of the best cor coverage corners, if not the best coverage corner in the NFL at the moment. But you got to bring that same kind of scrappiness. You bring in coverage against the run. You're hyped up as a being a physical guy, be a physical guy. I, I know this is one reason why Darrell Revis <laughs> is considered a lot of people's goat as the goat because of how physical he was or how good he was in coverage no i mean you take away if you just want to talk about coverage corners yeah he's probably the greatest of all time in coverage i mean sustained success he has that over champ bailey but to me it is still champ bailey at least in greatest of my time i should say it is champ bailey because champ bailey did it all i mean he was not afraid to stick it in the run i want that from patrick sertan yep. because that is how you take your play to the next level 
Yeah, you're absolutely correct on that one. And Sertan has all the physical talent and the the size, the, the physical stature. We're talking what six two two oh five with thirty four inch arms, like, and he's like he's built thick. He's built to play against the run, and he just doesn't do it the right way. Got an interesting question from Scott here in in the chat, and we'll we'll get back to the um to the the main focus here in, in the chat as well. But in our private chat. Scott Kennedy coming in says, how much money has Draymond Jones cost himself the last half of this season? Is uh, graded out as the 87th of 125 is graded by Pro Football Focus. I I want to take a stab at this one first a little bit, just because I had a, a hot take about Draymond Jones right after the Bradley Chubb trade. And I said that Draymond Jones, with the now that you're losing uh, Bradley Chubb, now that you don't have um, Randy Gregory because he's injured, you don't have uh, Baron Browning because he's injured, uh, you're you're working with Jonathan Cooper and Nick Benito as your potential other edge rushers. Draymond Jones has a golden opportunity to prove himself to be a, a top three, I, I would say ish area interior defensive lineman like three to five tech interior defensive lineman if he can continue at the rate that he was at he was number one in total pressures number number two in sacks or something like that across all interior defensive linemen at that particular point in the nfl he was playing an incredibly high level of football he's still playing very high level of football right now but you're not seeing as much of the flashy stuff and the reason why is because what help does he have there ain't no one out there to help him he's got dj jones who's playing great football don't get me wrong but the inconsistency of Nick Benito has been drastically understated. Like he has the big flash plays, but he is also so terrible against the run. Baron Browning's still coming back from that injury, and he's been inconsistent as well. Like there, what other player out on the uh, on the defensive line does Draymond Jones have to take any of the attention away from him? And he's still producing at a fairly decent level, from what I understand. I mean, I have to go look at uh, at the statistics and everything like that. But in terms of like pass rushing win rate, he's like top six, I believe, in the NFL right now. It's crazy. He's still doing an amazing job getting after the quarterback, even though the sack numbers, the pressure numbers aren't exactly there. So I'm trying to blow it up big enough for everybody to see. Um, this is pass rushing rates at defensive tackle, double team rate and pass rush win rate. Um, there are four interior defensive linemen that have a higher pass rush win rate than he does in the NFL yep. currently, according to ESPN's analytics. And then, but he's just, what, the second fewest at double team? So the issue with him isn't that there's nobody else to take the attention off of him. Because, he, I mean, he's never been a guy who's getting double teamed, and he still isn't. But his play is still taking a hit. He needs that other guy to help him out, not by taking attention away, by helping get pressure on the quarterback, which helps open him up a little bit. And for all this, I mean... Draymond Jones, he's still top 10 in pass rush productivity, still top 10 in pass rush win rate, according to Pro Football Focus. He's still top 10 in total pressures. Like, he's still having a great year. I don't think he's hurt himself all that much financially because the bigger issues have come against the run where he has consistently been inconsistent. Um, and what is the NFL? It's a passing league. You, you got to be able to get after the quarterback. You got to be able to get after the quarterback on the inside. Draymond Jones has proven he can do that. And I know that Denver, they're trying to get a deal done. Um, they, From what I understand, there was belief that a deal was getting close, if not get almost completed. But the money, the total guarantees, the length of it, how the money was spread out, wasn't enough for Draymond Jones. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. He's probably looking at close to $20 million on an average per year basis. And I don't think that where he's at because of his run defense is going to bring about much of a change. Because when you look at the other um, interior defensive linemen that are paid in that same area, a lot of them have issues against the run. Aaron Donald's considered the, one of the best interior defensive linemen against the run or in the NFL, but he has some issues against the run. And he has a lot of inconsistency against run, but he just gets after the quarterback so damn much that you just look the other way. You don't care as much about it because of how good he can get after the quarterback because that's what teams want more than anything at this moment from those type of interior defensive line, defensive linemen. Yeah. It, like I said, that's it, not necessarily that his, his play has taken a huge drop off. He's still producing at a relatively high level and not to say that he's getting double teamed or anything like that. I, I do want to kind of clarify that, that one comment. I agree with everything you just said there, Eric. It's it. I don't think that he's going to I, like PFF grade is one thing. And we all know how PFF grades can be um, kind of wonky at times. I, I guess I'll, that I'll put it nicely that way. Uh, the, the way that I want to put it is not family friendly. So uh We'll just kind of leave that conversation there. And, and Scott, that's a great question, though. I, I, I do think that what you bring out is a, is a fairly decent point. It's a good conversation anyways. Um, Peter Middleton, really fast. I want to grab this comment. And then I got another question I want to get to you regarding the, the Raven offense before we switch over to the, the other side of the ball for the Broncos um, going offensive. But Peter jumps in here and says, is the defense just losing discipline due to poor performance of the offense? Or they get found? Must be hard to play 100% when teams keep putting on the points. Um, I, I think this is a, an interesting conversation, and I don't necessarily know that it's losing discipline, but it's just going out there to make a play. And we, I, I want to go back a couple of weeks ago to the to the Raiders game in in overtime. Uh, the the Pat Sertan wide open touchdown allowed to Devonte Adams on the the it was a. Like it was a crossing route that they turned into a corner route, and Sertan just got turned around. Just a bad, bad play by Sertan just all the way around. I, I, I don't want to necessarily make an excuse for Sertan because he's got to understand that his cover three responsibility is to maintain outside leverage so that he doesn't let anybody get outside of his outside shoulder. It's plain and simple. That's what he was supposed to do. He didn't do that. He's just trying to make a play. That's the thing. I think they're losing discipline trying to go out and make a play because they know that this offense is not good enough to go out there and potentially go and have a game game winning drive. Like they, they just don't trust this offense. So they're thinking we got to do everything that we can to get the football away, stop this offense no matter what. And they're taking some chances that they don't necessarily need to be taking. 
I, I don't want to excuse the entire defensive struggles over these last couple of weeks with the big plays, specifically the one on DJ Moore, um, the big 52-yard shot on Sertan. That one, Sertan just got beat just straight up. The, DJ Moore just ran by him. It was wide open. There was nothing you could do about that. Uh, the touchdown pass to DJ Moore in, uh, on the crossing route. That's, I, I think, a coaching point there because we've seen the Broncos get torched on crossing routes not only this year, but for several years in a row. They cannot find somebody that knows how to pre- play proper trail technique on a crossing route. It just hasn't happened. Even Sertan in his rookie season against Sterling Shepard in the uh, New York Giants week one got torched on a like 78-yard touchdown pass to Sterling Shepard on a cro- crossing route because he has no idea what the hell he's doing out there. No, not, that's probably the wrong no. way to say that. But he but, got he got beat by against Sterling Shepard, and because he didn't press, he was told to press and he didn't. He played off. He gave too much okay. space, and just Sterling Shepard was able to take advantage of that. That that right. that's been reported. I mean, he's talked about okay. it. Vic Fangio's talked about it. Everyone's talked about I, it. I, and go, right, I just I just remember the play. I just remember that play where it's on a crossing route, and Sertan's so far behind the guy on a crossing route, it's wide open. There's nothing you can do there. So I, I think that there's. There's something to be said about that, about guys that are just going out there and trying to make plays and taking unnecessary chances. And it's costing this Broncos defense. It really is. So when talking about this defense and if they're losing discipline, they've never been disciplined. You can't lose what you don't have. I mean, their tackling technique is consistently poor, leading to multiple um, broken tackles. They're not playing consistently disciplined against the run. They're not playing consistently disciplined in, in coverage. Like, they never have all season long. Evro deserves a lot of credit. I mean, his defense has been playing great, but there's all those there's those plays that they could be so much better if they were just playing a little bit more disciplined. And I mean, that's just the honest truth about it. I don't think that I don't think it's fair to sit there and say the defensive struggles are because the offense isn't doing anything. Because all but like two games a season on the final drive in the first half, the defense is allowing a score. Like they're just it's when they're, it's when they're breaking is a concern and is an issue for this team and it's not a sign of being it's not because they're getting tired it's just just issues on their on their end it's not the best most talented defense like a lot of people think I mean there's a lot of holes in it especially with the depth which is being at- attacked because of you know the constant injury concerns the issues with the defense are more the fact that they have these issues. Teams have shown it and teams are figuring out a way to consistently attack it against the run. We've seen it. We've seen it all season long when Deshaun Williams is out there. They are running it straight at Deshaun Williams. When Nick yep. Benito is out there, they are running it straight at Nick Benito or, and we are seeing these defensive linemen getting pushed five yards downfield. We're seeing Nick Benito fall on the ground, trying to make a play because he can't get off the block. We're seeing um, the edge defender getting driven 10 yards downfield, you know, like, the blindside movie where Michael Orr just goes and pushes the guy over the through the end zone and over the the fence. That's what we're seeing with this defense. It's not an issue of they're losing discipline. It's not an issue of the offense. It's they're just getting beat. Um, and it's just something that you got to work on. You got to get more talented. You got to improve in your technique. You got to get better, and you got to do more. But the, the the bad part is they're they're getting beat in the running game, and they're going up against a team that wants to smash it down your throat and just run the football all, all the time. Like, don't don't get me wrong. I, Eric and I were kind of talking about this earlier before we went live um, with uh, Lamar Jackson, you know, make him win from the pocket, We, you know, and like, don't let him scramble around. Don't let him get his legs going. Those big explosive plays where she escapes the pocket, ex- escapes contain, and he's just athletic enough that he can just run all over you. Those are the plays you can't a- allow to happen. 
Lamar can still beat you throwing the football. Don't get me wrong. He showed us that last year in, in Denver. He beat the Broncos throwing the football. He, I mean, he had uh, Mar uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown on a 55-yard touchdown pass where Kareem Jackson just got completely torched on that play. I think Lamar threw for like 300 yards in that game and, and three touchdowns. Like it was, it was a great game from Lamar Jackson. He has the ability to beat you with his arm. That's just not the way that they want to win football games right now. They want to wear you down up front. They want to be physical in the running game, and they want to grind the slow the game down, grind the clock out, and just like impose their will on you. And that's what this team is. This Broncos team has been struggling to do over this the last couple of games. I mean, the the Raiders rushed for over 150 yards. The Panthers had over 200 yards on the ground. Like it's it's bad right now up front for this Broncos team and. Uh, the the edge the edge concerns are definitely there, but just all around the miscues, just getting beat one on ones, not not taking advantage of, of opportune situations where you can go out and, and make a play is is definitely a, a sincere problem for this Broncos defense. Last thing here before we switch over to the offensive side of the football for the Broncos here, I want to talk about this receiving depth for the uh, or not really depth, but the core of this uh, this Baltimore Ravens passing attack. When I watch this team. Uh, earlier today, you noticed that the guys that they have, there's not like a true X receiver, big body possession type of guy. They've got a lot of speedy, shifty guys like James Prochet the third. They've got Devin Duvernay, a guy that I really like coming out of Texas a couple of years ago. Um, hey, Demarcus oh, Robinson. Dev, real quick, with Devin Duvernay, we don't have to worry about him because Nathaniel Hackett has been replicating him in practice this week. You know, oh, wow, that's just a perfect mm -hmm. idea right there. Mm -hmm. That's great coaching, if you ask me, but. They, like that's 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 the thing though. The, this team doesn't have a great um, a great X possession type receiver. Everybody has these specific mismatches. The the in and out ability, their breaks, they're shifty, they're they're fast. They can take the top off. They've also got Deshaun Jackson, who we all know, thirty five year old receiver that can still stretch the field vertically and, and take the top off of the defense. Like that's that's what they are. And then they also have a freak of an athlete and Mark Andrews at the tight end position. And I, I think Isaiah likely is going to be back for this game as well. So they've got athletes all over this, uh, this offensive formation in terms of the passing game. This is a problem to me, especially with Sertan and the issues that he's having right now and the issues that he's had with his change of direction ability that we could see some explosive plays in this passing game against this Broncos defense. I I'm really kind of scared about that. And with Damari Mathis, yeah, he's, he's shown flashes and he's improved. I have that film breakdown of, of him on mile high huddle from last week. Um, but quick twitch, double move stuff like that, which is what the, the Ravens like to do, pushing the ball down the field. That's not something Damari Mathis wants to go against on a down to down basis. And this could be a, a big ticket for disaster for the Broncos defense. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Yeah, I think that they'll kind of do what they've been doing and limit the passing game a little bit. I mean, they have talent, but I mean, Deshaun Jackson, I think you overrate what he has left. I mean, unless he's putting wheels on his walker. I mean, he's not going to really stretch the field that much. Well, um, he he started he started to show the, a decline in that ability over the last couple seasons. 
Um, I mean, he's still a talented receiver. It's just he's not the, that same type of receiver anymore. Um, James Prochet and Devin Duvernay, I think those are the two guys, more guys to worry about. I think that you're going to have an issue with putting with who do you put on him because I don't think Patrick Sertan is the best guy to cover either of them, and I don't think that Damari Mathis is either. And, you know, Quan Williams is going to be handling one of them most of the time. And then you have to figure out Mark Andrews. And as you said, they have athletes on here, and, yeah, it's, they can attack the Broncos' defense in the right in the exact way that you need to. And if Denver doesn't get pressure on Lamar Jackson, and not only get pressure, but if they didn't, don't get home and just allow him to run over, coverage is going to break. I mean, I'm not trusting these safeties to hold deep against this passing yeah. offense because they've broken time and time again about it. Um, so it's just – I mean, it's issues, and it's issues that the Baltimore Ravens can easily exploit. Um, I've seen a couple things in here, and I'm going to say this real quick with, in regards to Nathaniel Hackett and potentially getting fired. There has been a shift after since the Raiders game. Beforehand, there was talk that maybe he gets fired after the Raiders game if, if they lose. Now it's he's it's gone back to he's getting the rest of the season. Um, that seems to be the conversation that is going on. I've maintained all along that I think he will get the whole season. And if you didn't fire him after the Carolina Panthers game, I get why you don't against the Ravens or against the Raiders after the Raiders game. It was a short week because of the holiday. So I, I get it then. You don't have an excuse now. You had an early game on Sunday, a full week. You had your chance to fire him after just an, the worst performance from the Broncos offense or the passing offense this season. It was the best running game performance on the season. You had your chance to fire him. That was it. You're three and eight. You're not completely eliminated from the playoffs, but you practically are. 90% certain Nathaniel Hackett is here to stay for the rest of the season. Um, going on real quick and carrying this over is this whole talk this week has been about um, some people are blaming um, some people are blaming Hackett. Some people are blaming Wilson. Jordan Schultz came out and I mean, Jordan Schultz very close to people on Russell Wilson's side. He's been leaking information from that camp for a few years now. And he's fought out saying that it's Hackett. And it's not a matter of if he'll get fired. It's a matter of when. We've known that. Hackett's not going to make it to 2023. And he's he's not going to make it past January 9th. There's nothing that the Broncos can do for the rest of the season to get there. On that note, you also don't get any benefit from cut, from firing him now. None. It's not college football. You don't get a heads up on recruiting. You don't get a heads up on hiring a new coaching staff. You don't get a heads up on free agency. You don't get a heads up on anything. The reports about the locker room not quitting on him, those are accurate. They're not quitting on him. The reports about who they're actually quitting on and who they have actually have issues with is a lot more accurate. And it's just, there's, there's no point. I mean, you're going to fire him and you're going to get a look at um, capers as the interim head coach. Woohoo, what does that do for you? Nothing, because he's not going to be on the coaching staff next year. He's gone too. You're not going to give it to um, Evero because guess what? You're essentially stuck up. You have to make him the long-term coach. And from every conversation I've had with people close to the Broncos inside the organization is they want a veteran coach. They want somebody who has experience under their belt. So Frank Reich, Dan Quinn, you know, names like that. Those seem to be higher up on the list of priorities this year. Mm -hmm. so, and you're not going to give it to Evero. And then if you make him interim, guess what? You're just giving him, giving every other NFL team a free look at him as a head coach. Any year yeah. that he's already getting quite the consideration for a head coaching head coaching spot. There's no point in it. There's plenty of issues to fire Hackett. 
he's going to get he's most likely going to get the rest of the season. As for the Broncos offense, this is where they have matchups, more matchups they can exploit because the Ravens defense has a lot of holes, but it's on Russell Wilson and the Broncos offensive line and the receivers to go out there and execute which they have not shown they can at all this season. The one point that you put out there on Evero is probably the most astute one that I, I think that you made. And don't get me wrong, you made a lot of astute points there. But the one about firing Hackett and bringing Evero in as the as the interim head coach. I'm not saying that it's it, – I want to word this the right way so you don't come at me because I know I know that you and I had this conversation before. But if you, if you put Evero out there, you almost have to make him one of your front runners to be the head coach for the next uh for this next cycle because if you don't the odds of him sticking around are slim to none anyways like if you keep him as defensive coordinator you still have him under contract as defensive coordinator you don't have to offer him any kind of job title or boost or anything like that so to me that doesn't make any sense why would you put evero and risk him first off as a head coach that other teams are already looking at him but if you put him as a head coach teams are going to be even more interested in him especially if he has success leave him in the, the title that he does have promote Dom Capers uh, as the guy because he at least has head coaching experience and just let it kind of work itself out from there. To me, I think the more interesting conversation is given as bad as, as it has been right now and given the, the lack of capital that the Broncos have to improve anything for next season, it, it, like I'm going to get flamed for this, but and, and Eric, you and I had this conversation as well. Is there a possibility that they just say, you know what? Let's just strip everything down on the offensive side. We're going to keep hacking in place as the head coach. He's going to be the CEO. We're going to come in with a new offensive staff, something that is unfamiliar with Russ. We're going to just break down all the, the, the walls that we have with Russ right now, the setup that we have, keep hacking in place, run it back in 2023. And if they improve, they improve. And there you go. You've got your, your head coach quarterback for the next five years. And if they fail, then you tank everything away and you go draft Caleb Williams because you're going to be in the top five anyways. That is probably a more interesting conversation to me right now than who's going to be the interim head coach for the rest of the season because I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, this, this, this is going to you know get everybody all up in arms about it. The best option for the Broncos short-term and long-term is to run it back in 2023. Doesn't mean you don't make any changes. Change out an offensive coordinator. Change Either make give the job fully to Clint Kubiak, let him install his offense, and you just let Nathaniel Hackett be a CEO type. Um, change out some position coaches. You either you, you do that, you run it back, uh, either you make it work, or you don't. And if you don't make it work, guess what? You start fresh. Because what's going to happen if if you fired Nathaniel Hackett and George Payton gets a second shot at a head coach and he fails? Guess what? Another year, another head coach, one and done, because the head coach isn't going to stick around for the next general manager. They're going to go bring in their own guy. Guess what? Russell Wilson's probably done too. I know a lot of people are focused on 2025. There, there's a lot of talk going around that 2024 post June first cut is when it'll happen. If he has another year like this, that's when it'll happen. They will not keep him beyond that. So, look, guess what? I mean, another year, new head coach, new general manager, new quarterback. May as well run it back. Uh, I, I mean, aim for that bottom five pick. Aim for starting fresh. Aim for starting over, especially with new owners. Like, 
it's the best option short term and long term. But it's not it's not going to be what's going to happen. They're going to fire Nathaniel Hackett. They're going to go get in, bring in a veteran head coach. They're going to change out the coaching staff. They're going to try to do what they can to you know recoup some of that sunk cost into Russell Wilson, which I don't think that is doable. I, I watching Russell Wilson, watching the issues. I've talked to board, talked multiple times at length about simpler reads. You know making a read off one safety based off the thing, cutting the field in half with rollouts. You can't do rollouts with him unless you're in shotgun doing a rollout. You can't do it from under center because he's not fast enough. You don't have any respect on his legs because the edge defenders, guess what? As soon as he starts that rollout, they're just closing in on him. They don't respect his legs for them to outrun him enough because he doesn't have enough gas in the tank left in his legs to outrun them. So that's one of the big things under center play actions. You got to be able to freeze that edge defender. Russell Wilson can't. On top of that, you have to be able to flip your head around to get it out there to be looking at your receiver to get the ball out quicker. Russell Wilson's not doing that. It takes him about a, a half second to three quarters of a second to get his head turned around when it should be less than a quarter of a second. He just can't flip his head that fast. No idea why. Like It's just a simple thing of going like that. Just that simple. But he can't. So the conversation has turned to making the quarterback a game managing quarterback. Nothing wrong with the game manager quarterback. You can win a lot of games with the game manager quarterback. You don't pay a game manager quarterback $250 million. And that's where the issue is with Denver. I mean, if you're paying a quarterback $250 million, they better be going out there and making plays to help cover up the issues, which Wilson isn't. And you know, winning games, which Wilson isn't. There is no there is no one saying that the coaching staff isn't an issue. There's no one saying that the offensive line is an issue. There's no one saying the receivers aren't an issue or that the lack of a running game is not an issue. Those are all issues. They're all heightened because your quarterback, who's paid $250 million, is playing like a quarterback who shouldn't even be playing high school football. Good rant. I love it. You're absolutely 100% correct. Uh, Chris Chance is jumping in here, $2 super chat. New new name. What's up, Chris? Thanks for joining us, man. Eric and Lance are still the best in the business. Thank you. We appreciate that. We really do. Uh, we've kind of, you know, uh, ground our axe a little bit dry every now and again and uh, rub some people the wrong way. But Chris, thank you for joining us and thank you for that. We really, we really appreciate your support, dude. All right. Quickly, yeah. offensive Real side. Quick, of I got to go go try ahead. this because this was, William, this absolutely great comment. Really appreciate it. Good for a good laugh. Yes. <laughs> Saying, can we, can we get Moses at center to part the D line so Russ can see clearly? Uh, <laughs> yeah, we got to do something. Get his eyes checked. You know, hey, it supposedly helped Jamie's Winston. Maybe, maybe he needs LASIK. Uh, we should probably get Jimmy Cliff. You know, because I can see clearly now. And the rain is gone. Anybody, anybody catch that reference? I thought I thought about making that joke, but I decided against it. <laughs> I, I had to I had to look up the name. I didn't actually know it off the top of my head, so I apologize for that for the, the little pause there. But uh, I'm I'm trying to get better with pop reference cultures and stuff like that. I, I I just I don't understand all of that stuff. Anyways, quickly, we've already really discussed a lot of the issues with this Broncos offensive line, but there's they have no uh, offense. Well, that's the easiest. That's well, the easiest way to describe yeah. it. They have no offense. But there, there's there's still some things that they that they can do. Um, I, I think that attacking the edge in the running game for this for this Broncos team this this week against this Baltimore Ravens defense is a way that they could potentially gain some traction in the running game. 
we we talked about it last week against the uh, against the Carolina Panthers, and it didn't really come to fruition because Brian Burns just decided to do Brian Burns things and and blew the game up from everywhere. It was amazing to watch him play, but not to say that they have bad players at at the edge position in Baltimore, but their players are older, slower. They're they're getting on towards the the tail end of their careers. But what they do very well is still continue to have success in the running game. Jason Pierre-Paul. Wait. Justin Houston, Tyce Bowser is a guy. They do have a Dafe Owe. I, I gotta give I gotta give some credit to my dude. Are you ta- are you talking about the Baltimore edges being old? Is Justin that is Houston, that what you, is yeah. that what you said? Yeah. I, that, I Justin Matabike, Owe, no. David Ojabo. Uh, Ojabo's barely even played. Oda- I just I just said Odafe Owe. I gotta give my, my shout out to Odafe Owe. The the guys that I was watching out there play the majority of the snaps against the 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 Jaguars and against the Panthers literally an hour and a half before we started this show were Justin Houston and Jason Pierre-Paul. Like those guys are not getting after the quarterback. You're gonna have to like the the way that they have success right now is is in the running game, and it's not necessarily very great when those two are out on the field. Matt Abuike, dude, the like the interior like from five technique inside, don't run at those guys because they have Calais Campbell, they've got Justin Matt Abuike, they've got uh, Broder, uh, Broderick Washington, they've got um a, another dude number ninety seven. I can't remember his name right now. Like, those guys clog up the lanes on the interior of the offensive line so well. Like running against this interior defensive line. And with Patrick Queen and Ro- uh, Roquan Smith filling the gaps and, and scraping downhill, running inside is not an option. The only way that you're able to run against this Baltimore Ravens team right now is on the edges. And that's only if you have Justin Houston and Jason Pierre-Paul on the field. Like, that's it. Because with, with Carolina, Carolina ran all over this Broncos defense. And we tout this Broncos defense for what they are. Baltimore's front seven is wild up front. It's crazy the the effectiveness they have in the running game. Like, tell me I'm wrong. No, they're great against against the run. You're just wrong about their edges. Eh. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, man. I, 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 I. I saw that that was the that was the one thing that you could do was if you attack the edge if you attack the edge specifically um, outside zone stuff if you could actually get to the edge you were actually a, there was a, there was openings for you to actually that, get to the that, that, to that is where that is where they're weak you're not wrong on that um, and the issue with that is that Denver can't run outside zone because they don't have the personnel to run outside zone yep. hey guess what what I said at the top of the hour when we first went live about George Payton not doing enough to build this team up. You had a head coach who came in and said, yeah, we're going to be an outside zone West Coast style offense and you don't go get offensive linemen that can do it. You get inside zone offensive linemen. The only offensive linemen they brought in, we still haven't seen on the field that can fit an outside zone, to be clear, is Tom Compton. Billy Turner's not an outside zone scheme runner. Everybody talked just because he was in Green Bay doesn't mean he is one. And Green Bay ran outside zone was their third most used run concept outside zone inside zone and power gaps or and full lead stuff you know denver's top two run concepts that they've used this season um the outside zone stuff was just overplayed but and denver used it earlier on and they went away from it because they realized that they can't run it which hey credit to nathaniel hackett for realizing that and adapting his offense to what his de- his team can do a little bit um but no you do want to get outside a little bit because odafe away as good as he is, he still has issues against the run. Justin Houston being a little bit older, I mean, he is on them. He is one of the older guys that they have at the edge position. He's he's 
always been a solid run defender. I don't think he's ever been like truly outstanding or great. He's been solid, good, and he's definitely taken a little bit of a step back. Jason, Jason Pierre-Paul, he's still a pretty solid run defender. Um, so yeah, you, I mean, you do want to attack the outside a little bit, but you know, it's just not something we can do, and we don't have the running backs to really do it. If Mike Boone is coming back, I hadn't seen if he's being activated off injured reserve. I know that he was, um, he started his window to practice. But Mike Boone is the best running back that we have to run the outside zones. But again, don't know what's going on with him. Latavius Murray, I mean, he's not a guy that you want running outside whatsoever because it takes him 60 years to get outside the tackle box. Again, George Payton did a wonderful job at, you know, adding to this running back room that needed it when you thought that Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon, and Mike Boone were going to be fine, despite obvious signs of Melvin Gordon taking a step back. So it's just a little, it's just, <laughs> it, it it's just an issue with it, the running game. Um, you need to have success. You need to, you know, expand your, and I hate, I hate using this. I hate talking about it. You need to go to the other concepts to that build upon your run game. You know, the quicker passing game, getting the ball out in the flat, getting out on the swings. That's what you kind of got to do to mimic a run game against this, this defense, because you can't flat out run it. Yeah. It, it, this defense, while it may not be as opportunistic as what you're usually used to seeing from a Baltimore Ravens team, they're still very good. They're, they're, they're I think they're middle of the pack against the run, but they still do a very good job of limiting you into like when you do run the football. Um, they they don't let like a, a lot of the yards per carry. So people are just essentially teams are just running at each other. The the Ravens run at you, you run at them. It slows the game down. So they they, they are like they are ninth in rush ninth? DVOA ninth. Man, that's crazy. I, so, what are they in yards per game? I I, I thought it was uh, closer to the middle of the pack because I know I was looking at the. Uh, I don't care. The, yards the, per game is a terrible stat to use. Uh, how about yards per carry? Yards per carry is a terrible stat to use. Well, I, fine then. DVO, uh, DVOA what, is is the best one to do that because it weights the schedule and who they're playing against. Because so they, they were they, DVO, they were, That's why I like DVOA so much. But I can I can pull up that stuff real quick. Well, because I, I, I was looking at the ESPN uh, run stop win rate, and they were like 16th or something like that. That ESPN so, run rate is a little wonky. It, it is a little bit wonky. Regardless, I, I I know that they're very good against the run, and they're they're not. They are second in fewest rush yards allowed per game. Wow, that's crazy. Well, <clears throat> tough sledding hey. for the Broncos this week. Uh, <laughs> William. Hey. No, this is the no, wrong. Don't. This is the wrong night to say this because Lance here thinks Boone is a Hall of Famer. Hey, so. whoa, whoa, <laughs> no, no, no! Don't you dare put that on me, sir. I never said that. All I, all, all I've ever said about Mike Boone is anytime that he is out there, he seemingly makes plays. The most explosive, literally the longest run that the Broncos had this season before Latavius Murray went for 54 yards against the Panthers last week was a Mike Boone 17 yard run. Okay, give me my flowers. Damn it. I'm I'm playing, but for real though, like it, Mike Boone is is not anything amazing. He's just whenever he does get the opportunities, he seems to make the most out of them. Um, I go back to that game where he was in Minnesota uh, a few years ago. Had to start because Alexander Madison was out. Dalvin Cook, I believe, they were holding out for uh, for the uh, uh, the playoffs and whatnot. And uh, Mike Boone ran for like 156 yards and two touchdowns on like 15 carries. It, like he had an absolutely amazing game. Every time he's out there, he seemingly just makes plays. And I'm I'm about that life. I like guys that just go and do that. Yeah, Scott, 19 carries in Denver. Mike Boone is a legend. He absolutely is a legend. Leave me alone. Why do you guys insist on attacking me? I'm, I know I'm right on this one, okay? 
damn it, leave me alone. Uh, <laughs> in terms of uh, passing the ball, Russell Wilson can't throw it, so it doesn't really matter. Um, the receivers well, can't catch it, so it doesn't really he can't, matter. He can't, he can't see the field because he's too short. He can't see his pass off his offensive line. Receivers get open. He doesn't hit that. He makes the wrong read pre-snap. Hey, obvious man coverage. I'm going to look at the zone-beating concept here instead of the pick play to get a guy open against the pass. Happened against the Carolina Panthers multiple times. But the big one is, you know, the game-losing pass against the Indianapolis Colts. Yep. Anyways, go ahead. I don't really have anything to say anymore. Like I'm, I'm out of trying to make excuses <laughs> or find, find something to, to like at this particular point. Yeah, guys, we are literally talking about right now, the Denver Broncos are averaging like 14.7 points per game through 11 games. They are on track to be the worst offense since 2000. Literally the worst offense in, in, in the NFL since 2000. You know who that team was? The Cleveland Browns, the expansion Cleveland Browns, where they scored 10 points a game. This is like, we're on terms of history here. We talked about this last week. This team is historically bad on offense. And you want me to try to find a way for them to go out against a Baltimore Ravens defense who, yeah, they haven't necessarily lived up to the hype. They're a great running team. Like the, the secondary with all the players they have, Marcus Peters, they uh Marlon Humphrey, who's a tremendous blitzer off the edge. Good luck, Cam Fleming, by the way. Good luck to Calvin Anderson, by the way. Um no, you, good luck to Russell Wilson, who can't see the yeah. obvious what's coming. Yeah. When so I'm I'm telling you right now, I watched this like five different times today. Marlon Humphrey, when he lines up three yards off of off of the 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 edge defender on the line of scrimmage in the slot, you know for a fact he's coming. And he's going to make a sack. He's going to at least get a hit or make a pressure because he is quick enough off of the snap right there. He's going to get into the backfield and he's going to disrupt the passing attack. When Marlon Humphrey lines up three yards off of the edge on the line of scrimmage in the slot, he is going to come on a blitz. I guarantee it. There, like, there's no question about it. And I just got to it, go ahead. Go ahead. I just got to shout out Malcolm Brown from Homer, Alaska, fellow Alaskan. I hope it's a lot warmer a little bit south to where you're at from compared to me, where it's a lovely 11 degrees and negative 80 in my office. <laughs> it's actually not very much warmer here right now. I, I will I will say that. <coughs> uh, Cristiano coming in here saying, uh, Lance, the 2,000 Browns scored more than 20 points in four games. The Broncos have one. This two actually. Did, did the Browns two. win any of those games? Because the Broncos didn't win theirs. They, they won one because the, the Broncos have two games. They they lost the game against the the Raiders in Vegas, and then in London they scored twenty one against the. Jets. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot they scored twenty one in London. That's right. Yep. So they they've, they've got two games over twenty one, but uh, so uh, one yeah, and, it's you know. one one and one, and it really doesn't matter. So yeah. it's such a wonderful, great time when our offense was more efficient with Pat Shermer leading the offense on the sideline and Teddy Bridgewater starting at quarterback. And, you know, I made that point about $250 million for a game manager quarterback. You remember last year, somebody brought up the idea about paying Teddy Bridgewater 15 million on an average per year basis. And everybody balked at that. Cause that's not what you pay a game managing quarterback. Congratulations. We're talking about paying a game manager quarterback $250 million. If we're lucky to get a game manager type game out of him. 
Yeah, whoever said we weren't critical about the Broncos? Okay, uh, with that, guys, we're going to get out of here. Thank you all for joining us here on the uh, Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. Follow us on Twitter, guys, by finding me at SandersonMHH and for Eric at Eric Trickle. Also for Scott Kennedy at Scout Kennedy. Also, guys, while you're at it, please uh, follow at Mile High Huddle. That's the, the mother account where you guys find breaking news and analysis regarding your Denver Broncos, um, film breakdowns, opinion articles, anything Denver Broncos related. You're going to find it there at Mile High Huddle and also at milehighhuddle.com. Facebook supporters, please go to facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle Pod. Um, it's a great way to just kind of uh, get our community a little bit together. People on Twitter, if you're on Facebook, go over there as well. It's a great way to, you know, meld two different communities together. Our, our Mile High Huddle community is one of the best, man. We, we always have great conversations with you guys, whether we're on the podcast or just out on social media kind of doing our thing. Um, Folks, if you're financially able to do so, please head over to huddleuppod.com. That's the merch tent where you guys can find hats, T-shirts, coffee cups, face masks, onesies for your babies. We've got teddy bears. There's uh, little dog scarves, like literally a bunch of Mile High Huddle swag. Make sure you guys head over to huddleup.com. Get anything to suit your fancy. There's some for the guys, some for the girls whatever you like, that's where you're going to be able to find that. And folks, if you're not financially able to do so, whether it's through huddleuppod.com or the super chats and stars donations here on Facebook and, and on YouTube, please guys, there's three things that everybody needs to be doing. We talk about it every single show. Subscribe, whether you guys are on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, please subscribe to Mile High Huddle. It helps us out so much. You guys really don't understand. Like every video you guys see across all social media platforms as well. And if you love it, this is the best way to support the show is share it, guys. Get more Broncos fans into our shows, onto our content, onto our articles, into our community. As many of people as you can would be so helpful because without you guys, we could not do what we do best, which is cover your Denver Broncos. Now, Eric, I've got to go find a, a throat lozenge or a, a hot toddy or a something because my throat's killing me. Any big plans for you this weekend? Any last words, dude? Uh, no, I saw somebody made a co comment that I kind of wanted to touch on real quick before we got out of here. It was just a little joking comment. Um, let me see here. Michael Freddy said, Russ can't manage a B-Day party. And I was going to make a joke about how, you know, that's right, but because, you know, his wife did it. But typically, you don't set up your own birthday party, so it's not a good joke to make. But, yeah, Russ can't manage much. Um, somebody else talked about Jay Keeps or asked about his personal quarterback coach, Jay Keeps. Like, there's a lot of issues in this team, and it isn't all Russell Wilson, but a large portion of it is. There is a great breakdown out there by JT O'Sullivan, who a lot of people are writing off because he was college teammates with Nathaniel Hackett, but he does a good job of highlighting the issues that are directly on Russell Wilson. It's not an issue with the play call, it is an issue of Wilson. It's worth watching talking about his footwork, bad reads. And it's not just that. He talks about the blocking uh, issues, especially from the tight end position. Um, he talks about all sorts of things. It's a, it's a great breakdown. It's on my Twitter. Guys, make sure you go check it out. Check it out. It's about 30, it's like 32 and a half minutes long or so. It's a great breakdown. And the things that he highlights are things that I have been talking about all season long, the same kinds of issues. And it's the reasons why that I think that we're basically at a point where trying to, you know, hope that, we can turn Russell Wilson and fix Russell Wilson is becoming, you know, more of a coping mechanism. I don't think that there is fixing Russell Wilson at this point. And as somebody else said in the chat is that um, nobody, not even his biggest haters thought he would be this bad. I, I wanted Russell Wilson. I won't hide that. And I kind of figured that we wouldn't, that 
that he wouldn't be as good as he had been. The signs of decline have been obvious and, and continuing since 2019. I didn't expect him to fall off a cliff like this. And that is part of what's so so problematic with this team. They gave him a bunch of money, which I, I will still say, outside of hindsight, paying him before the season was still the right move because of the fact that if he waited and he played well, his cost was just going to go up. Yeah. But with hindsight, he's playing terribly, and now you're stuck with the $250 million quarterback that can't do anything to carry your team, as he should be. That is what you pay that much quarter, much money for a quarterback to do, is carry your team. With the pieces around him, yeah, and the pieces around him still can get better, but a lot of the issues circle back to Russell Wilson. Sorry, I'm dying over here. Um, no, I, I, I don't disagree with you, and I think that I think a big part of it, and maybe we'll hear some more stories coming about this, um, uh, kind of speculating here, informed speculation, if you will. Um, the the amount of control that Russell Wilson has with this team right now is just a little bit too much. I, I think that that what the office that they gave him, allowing his team to be in the in the building, um, allowing uh, his quarterback coach to be in 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 the offensive meeting rooms and stuff like that. That's all fine and groovy when you have that in the summertime, but to allow that to bleed through into professional time where you're, you know, like you've got 53 other individuals, 60 other individuals on this team right now and an, an entire coaching staff that doesn't get that. Like there, nobody else has their own personal trainers, their own personal offensive line coach or anything like that. That's actually actively working within the offense, working within the team. And Russell Wilson having that, I think, gives him a little bit less accountability for things. And I think that that's a problem. The, the, the faster that they can clean that up, the better. I, I think that getting Jake's heap, Jake Heaps out of the room, I think the, the faster they can get his acupuncture therapist, his, his massage therapist, his two personal chefs that he mentions all the time. Like, there, there, are, there are positives to having those things. And he has the money. I can't blame the guy for doing that. But to for the team and Nathaniel Hackett specifically to allow those guys to be a, as big of a voice and allow a Russell Wilson to have as much control as he has in the offense right now is a big mistake. And I, I'll just leave it at that. And I think that the faster that you can clean that up, the better. Yeah, I have a whole article up talking about that as Jay Kozak came in here and said is that Russell Wilson has surrounded himself with yes men, and that is perfectly accurate. But yeah. – um Mr. Noble here is coming and said he means saying, I mean, Mahomes' footwork isn't great either, but it works. It works because of how freakishly talented he is as a player. The arm talent can make up for it. That's not the case with Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson is, you got to have that clean footwork. You can't drift in the pocket. You can't stay at the tie point of the arch to where you get strip sacked because your fifth string offensive tackle that you signed in um in preseason is getting beat by brian birds who's one of the quickest pass rushers um in the nfl at the moment like mm -hmm. that that strip sacks on russell wilson guys like he needed to step up there was a wide open lane for him but no he drifts in the pocket staying at the top of the arch um you don't see that with patrick mahomes so you're, you're right patrick mahomes doesn't have great footwork but it works because he has all this other ability and just talent in him to make up for it. And we don't have that with Russell Wilson. Yeah. Um, and then Chris Chances with $2 says, I find the lack of Broncos faith disturbing. Um, I get it. 
But I mean, this team has shown nothing that is deserving of faith at this point for this season, anyways. Yeah. So, Chris, and I, and I know you said that, that we're the best, and we appreciate that. And I and I, I I'm with you. The the lack of faith, you know, the the people that are saying I'm not watching, I'm not going to support the team, and yada yada yada. I I'm I'm with you on that one. One thing that's made Dove Valley Deep Divers uh, probably the one of the more controversial podcasts that we have here on Mile High Huddle, if not the what most enough? controversial thing. What says <laughs> If not the most controversial podcast, is the fact that we don't we don't mince words. Like these are our bold opinions. It, we do deep dive takes. It's what we do. We are very critical in, in our analysis. It's my pinned tweet. It's been pinned on my Twitter profile for two years now. It, like it, it's okay to be a fan and it's okay to have some blind homerism in your team and and want you know what's best for them yeah. but it's also okay say. to it, it's it, it is also okay to be extremely critical in your analysis while also wanting to be best for what like what's best for the team we are i do critical. gotta say that I, I i like the little message there the you know star wars joke about it in there find your lack of faith disturbing it's a star wars thing Oh, gotcha, gotcha! <laughs> Way over my head. I'm not a Star Wars guy. Not a Star Wars. I'm guy. not either. Hey, you got to comment it. Actually, I want to. I want to address this. Some, I can't remember the name on it. Is it someone addressed the the fact that you have a, a badass background because it's not just like typical bookshelves that all look cliche and and whatnot. Like it's actually cool figurines and it's well organized and it actually looks really nice. I always say this. Like Eric has the best background of anybody here because Except for the box, actually like, just ignore it. Just ignore the mess. It's fine. You'll you'll be all right. All righty, guys, that's going to do it for us tonight on Dove Valley Deep Divers Podcast. We do appreciate every single one of you guys for joining us tonight, as we do every single week. You all stay safe. Take care. Have a great rest of the weekend. Wash your hands and do not get influenza A because it sucks. Um, you, we'll see you guys same time, same place next week. And as always, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.